everyone and welcome along to your latest Monday live bulletin from the TII podcast. My name is Craig Dennett and I'm your host this evening and I'm joined by two of our regular podders. First up is Scott Mitchell. How are you doing, Scott? Yep, very well, Craig. Thanks again for having us on. I appreciate it as always. I assume you'll set the cat amongst the pigeons before too long. And welcome along to Kai Watson as well. How are you doing, Kai? That's not bad, mate. Pleasure to be on as always. Absolutely. Before we get stuck into um, the topic of the podcast of whether Rangers can in fact win the league, um, we'll start on a wee bit of a sad note. Uh, everyone at TII was was saddened to hear um, of the death of former Rangers player and goalkeeper coach Billy Thompson, who it was announced today passed away at the age of 64. Uh, he was part of the, the squad in 1994 through to 1996. I think he made seven appearances, if um, if I'm correct. And then he returned as the goalkeeper coach in the early 2000s and worked with the likes of Stefan Koss and Alan McGregor. Um, our thoughts of, every, of everyone at TII are with uh, Billy Thompson's family at this difficult time. It's always sad when a former player uh, passes away, but especially at the young age of 64, which is absolutely nothing at all. Okay, after, after that, we'll just move on to... To speaking about a, a range of issues, I think, um, as we look at, I take a bit of a step back and look at the bigger picture, I think since Michael Beale arrived at Rangers and then whether over the next four months or so we can call back the gap or the deficit that we currently face against Celtic. Um, Scott, I think it's been 12 games now for Michael Beale, 11, 11 wins and one draw. Overall, what do you make of of the start he's made, is it better than you thought he would be able to achieve, or is it is he is he on par with where you'd expect him to be? Um, <clears throat> Expectations wise, I think everybody expects him to come in and win every single game. I mean that that's the the be all end all a Rangers manager. So expectation wise, I have to say no. I'd, I'd expect him to be there or thereabouts. Looking at it realistically, I think that's when you're saying for where we've come from, we all expected to get hammered. In the the New Year's Old Firm derby, we all expected a, a beating at that point, and I think anybody who watched that game will hold their hands up and say we were the better team, and it was just two goals, probably of our own making, that meant that Michael Beale currently doesn't sit there with twelve wins out of twelve as Rangers manager. I think he's done spectacularly well. You've seen the transformation almost immediately when he came in, taking over for for Gio. Um, so no, I think expectation wise. We're right to expect that he's done this well, but if we're all being realistic, he's he's overachieved, if we're talking honestly. Yeah, Kai, I think when Michael Beale was appointed, we knew he had to make a fast start. We knew his first couple of games were Hibs at Ibrooks and then Aberdeen away. Those are two traditionally tricky ties for for ourselves. And it was almost, we knew that if, if we dropped any more points, especially that early in, into Michael Beale's reign, then it was it was curtains for, for any potential of um, having a, a bit of a, a league title race as such. I think I've been impressed and potentially a wee bit surprised as to how quickly he has been able to turn around um, the team of players that, he's, that he has at his disposal and their performances on the pitch. Have you been impressed with Michael Beale's start to life at Rangers and is he, is he exceeding expectations at the moment, do you think? I think just like Scott says, I think you come in as a Rangers manager and you're expected to win every game, so that's not... Obviously, there was difficult games in there, so 100% it's a brilliant record to draw 
against Celtic again, just echo what Scott said. I don't think anyone expected anything positive to come from that. I think most Rangers fans came away thinking we were the better team. You can see a difference in performances. It's just like you look at the game at Tynecastle when Wednesday night you thought Rangers would kind of kick on from that and that kind of been that bit more clinical during the week. And then it came to Saturday again and it felt not like a full step back, but it felt like we're just back to the kind of the way we were before getting lots of chances, lots of possession. But the difference is now with someone like Cantwell to provide a wee bit of cutting edge, whereas it was only Tillman that was giving us that. So I think he's definitely added a couple of players that can hopefully help provide the cutting edge and with getting everyone back, hopefully we can get to that point. We're making enough chances to see all these sides away by two or three goals. Hopefully when everyone's back and everyone's fully firing, we can kind of see that in full effect. Yeah, absolutely. I'd have to agree with that. Before we start digging into some of the, the numbers behind it and some of the some of our opinions as to why Michael Beale has been so successful in making that change so quickly, uh, we'll just touch on some of the comments that are coming in already around around this. Uh, Teddy Bears, as you can see in the screen, magnificent start by Beale, but the points deficit is still the same. Paul McGarrigal, new manager, new tactics, new training style, getting used to the players. So for me, what Beale has done is amazing. Um Curry Muncher says, considering the state GVB left the squad, it's a minor miracle. He's, a, he's managed 11 wins in a draw. Players' performances club was on its knees. Um, I think that I think that kind of summarises most of the opinions that, that that we've heard across the Rangers support as to where we were and and how where Michael Beale has taken us. Kyle, stick with you for this, this uh, the first opinion on this next one. 28 points from a possible 30 in the league. Um, nine wins and one draw out his first ten games. What are the changes in your opinion that Michael Beale has made to the team to, to help us achieve that? We were very stop start prior to uh, the World Cup break under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, and we were struggling to to um, break down teams. I think it's fair to say, especially in the World Block. What what are the changes you think Michael Beale has made that are, that have enabled us to go on this run? I think the biggest one you can kind of see is with. Ryan Kent just giving him that more of a free role instead of sticking to the touchline and it's just I think a general confidence the players can have now I'm not saying that Van Bronckhorst sucked confidence out of players by any means but see the difference in someone like Sakala that gets a run of games and despite always say this he's one of the most frustrating players that I've ever watched but he puts, he puts the numbers in he gets numbers and he's capable capable of being that player that gets us gets us that one goal. Always think back at the goal at Dundee United, like if he could be more consistent with finishing like that, he'd be nowhere near Ibrox. So it's one of those things that just looks like a lot of a lot of the players have a bit more confidence and just I don't know if it's more of a belief in the way that Bill excuse me, Bill wants to play because it just seems that everything's a bit quicker. Everything seems a bit more meaningful, whereas as much as you still can see the horseshoe at times, it looks as if it has a purpose. It looks as if it's being used to actually create space, whereas under Van Bronckhorst, the whole horseshoe thing just felt like it was just to keep possession, like it was never it was never going anywhere, no one was ever going to break through. It was just pass the ball about and any other whip across in from Depot or Goldson or Davis can find a pass over the top. It just seems like there's a bit more a bit more purpose now and a bit more belief in that's shown in the results. Yeah, Scott, one of the comments here from Teddy Bears says, we are, we are tactically more attacking and our attacking players are now free to really attack. Do you think that's where the real difference is in our play? It does feel 
like our even our midfield are more progressive in the way they're passing the ball forward and we're not as Kai referred to doing the sort of horseshoe back and forward from full back across the defence to full back. Still see it occasionally, but it does seem more with purpose than it did before. Do you think in terms of our attacking play and the freedom our attacking players have is made a is what's made the difference under Bill? Um yes. To, to an extent, I th- I think the, the biggest difference that I've noticed since Bill came in has probably been in our press, so more on the defensive side of it. Um, you know, that, that's given us really the impetus to to get these quick turnovers, which we're really effective in capitalising on. Um, with regards to our, our attack, yes, it's freed up a lot of players like Ryan Kent. You're seeing the absolute best of him. You're seeing, as Kai says, Sakala putting in actual numbers as opposed to just flashing balls across the box and, and you know, just, just hitting hopes. You're seeing a lot more creativity and productivity now from a lot more players. Even Malik Tillman, I think a lot of people are maybe missing the change in his game since Bill came over. I just think everybody seems to have a clear vision of what their job is on the pitch now. And if I'm totally honest, I don't think that was the case under Gio. And it's it's sad to say it. Again, I was I was a big fan of Gio at the time when he was in. His time was definitely up when he left. Um, but the team just seemed to be more organised, more structured and more tactically aware now that we've got Michael Beal in. And I think that's probably our biggest difference. But by all means, focus on the attack. But I really do think the defence and that press is really where it's become most prominent. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of players there. You mentioned Sakawa and Tillman. That kind of feeds into to my next question that I was coming to, and I'll stick with you for that. Scott, who are the players that you think have, have <clears> stepped <throat> up under Bill that were potentially struggling or, or not delivering under Gio? Where, who are the players you've seen that the sort of biggest difference in since that managerial change? You, you'll probably know who's coming here, Craig, if I'm honest. Um, Borna Barisic. For me, I was I was gone for Borna Barisic. I was chasing him out the door at Ibrooks, but since he's well, over the last five, six games, Borna Barisic has turned a new leaf. Um, I think he was he was referenced at the weekend as son of the moth, um, and I think that's probably what we need to consider him as going forward. He's probably been, for me, the biggest turnaround because he's actually putting numbers in again. He's looking like the player he was before. Again, Kai mentioned Ryan Kent. Ryan Kent looks like a total different player. It's no longer keep the tricks for the circus. It's now go out and express yourself and on the pitch, and I think that's fantastic to watch. Players like Glenn Kamara, even. We all know how good Glenn Kamara is. Glenn Kamara is now starting to turn it back on, and he looks again like the player we saw under Steven Gerrard. Um, there's still a few, for me, who are maybe still resting on their laurels based on the achievements of last season. Um, James Tavernier is definitely one of them, um, and I think he needs to potentially up his game. But he really doesn't have anyone behind him putting a lot of pressure. I know Adam Devine's there, but I don't see Adam Devine getting a lot of game time now under Michael Beale going forward. Um, but yeah, I think for me, probably the biggest turnaround, Borna Barisic, and a special mention as well to Alfredo Morelos, who I think has been fantastic the last five, six games, ever since Boyd had a dig at him at Tanadice. I think Morelos has been a different player. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And we will come on to Alfredo Morelos when we talk about um, the chances we're creating shortly. Um, Kai, same question to you around players that, that you feel are, are stepping up or have you've seen a change in since the managerial switch. Um, but I also wanted to bring in um, Rangers Oilers comment here and get your thoughts. Everybody knows and does their job on the park now. It does feel like we, I think during Gio's reign, a lot of the time it was what what is our what is our identity? What is our system that we are playing here? What, what are we trying to do on the park and a lot of fans couldn't answer that 
across a, across a vast majority of games that we were playing under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. And Gio made a point in saying that um, he adjusted the tactics depending on the opponent and that side of things, whereas a lot of fans felt we should be um, setting the tone and we should be taking control of the game and other teams should adapt to us rather than us adapting to other teams. What are your thoughts, firstly, on the players that have, that you've seen a difference in, and secondly, how big are, how how big is the fact that everybody does seem to know what their job in the park is now? I think players like again to mention Sakala, just that bit of confidence in his ability that Beal gave him from giving him like a prolonged spell of starts. He's been scoring goals, chipping in with assists. Just looks, he does look a better player. Again, he's still frustrating. He still sometimes doesn't make the right decisions. But it's nowhere near as often as it was under Gio. I felt I just didn't feel like there was a confidence there. It was just, we'll stick Sakal on because we know he's quick and the defenders are tired. Whereas Beal seems to have an actual confidence in his ability and an actual confidence that he'll go on the park and provide. And another one Scott mentioned, and Scott mentioned it as well. I don't think a lot of people can take notice of how much Tillman's game overall has improved. So if you look at his numbers, I actually looked at his numbers for January and it was. One goal, no assists, but performances have been brilliant. He's been especially more depressing side of things. He continually wins the ball back. He wins a lot of headers. I think a lot of fans coming into January kind of labelled him as lazy quite a lot. I don't, I don't see that on social media anymore. You still always see that kind of debate over whether we should sign him or not, and it was mostly based off of people thought he was lazy, didn't offer enough. But I think now coming into February. Like after every game, all you see on social media is sign Tillman, pay them the money, pay them the money now. And that and that difference goes understating if you just looked purely at his goal contributions, you wouldn't kinda of notice that. But the other side of these games doing the dirty work in the defensive side, we've seen a massive difference from him. And then going on going on the comment as well, I think that's a hundred percent true. That was always the biggest criticism under Gio, I felt getting asked like what is what is his style of play? Like, what, what is he trying to achieve? Sometimes it just felt like, especially in the league, you're just putting players out there and be like, just go and do what you do. Like, we have better players than them and just hoping for the best. There wasn't there wasn't a plan A, never mind a plan B. It was just, we should be better than them, go out. And as much as he kind of suggested that he tweaked the tactics, that I don't think it ever looked any different to me. And I 100% agree with like, the perception of team should be adjusting to us. Which is what it is now that like we go out, we'll attack, we'll press, we'll play the one touch passes, and teams have to deal with us now. You've seen it at the Tinkers the other night, Hearts couldn't cope. And that's the way it should be when you're one of well, the biggest team in the league. You go there, and teams have to deal with you. You don't think about what they're going to do. You just go, you play your game, and you win that game. And that's kind of what it feels like under Bill now. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I'll just pop Paul McGarrigal's comment back up, saying Kent, Bonabaricic, Sakawa, Scott Wright included in there, which is an interesting one. Uh, Alfie, all playing better under Beal. I see you making a face there, Scott, about Scott Wright. Um, but the one I wanted to focus on more there was uh, was Ryan Kent and the difference that we've seen in Ryan Kent since Michael Beal has come in. Scott, he's obviously moved to that more central role and he's able, he's able to roam, I guess, free in that midfield, that attacking midfield area behind the striker, he seems much more willing to get on get on the ball and try and control the play rather than being stuck out in the touchline. I think under Gio, he was it was this uh, it was a sort of heels on the 
he was on the paint kind of mentality and he wasn't really allowed to move from that wide area. I think we're seeing um, a much improved Ryan Kent since he has been allowed to, to, to move and, and almost create his own havoc in the middle of the park because defenders don't know where he's going or who should go mark him or or what way he's going to turn. Um, I think I've seen a real difference in Ryan Kent anyway since, um, since Michael Beals came in and he's, he seems to be enjoying himself, doesn't he? Seems to be loving his football again, which I think is is probably the main factor of Ryan Kent uh, performing to a high standard. Um, he seems to be a confidence player. He's a player that, just use the words that, that they used to describe Todd Kent, really needs to be loved. And right now, Ryan Kent probably feels like he's loved by that coaching staff. They know what he's good at. Beal's known Ryan Kent now for a number of years. He knows what he's good at. He knows what he can do. He knows where he can influence games. And Ryan Kent has been nothing short of phenomenal. Um, since Michael Beals came in. Not sure in his numbers. Kai's probably the guy that, that probably knows a bit more about his, his actual stats and his numbers and his return since Beals came in, but it just seems like he's more involved in games nowadays. It seems like his end product's maybe getting there. Um, and I, I just think he, he looks a different player. Under Geo, I don't think Ryan Kent leaving at the end of the season on a free would have been a big miss, if I'm totally honest. Now, with Beal and these tactics... It'd be a huge miss. Him, Cantwell, Tillman, all linking up the three of them. It's just fantastic to watch. We've got players who are now on the same wavelength. And I think it will be scary when it all starts clicking. We've got everybody fitting up to full speed. Um, it's going to be scary for the rest of the teams in the league. Kai nearly let his mask slip earlier when he said we're one of the best and, uh, best and biggest teams in the league. We are the best, biggest team in the league. And we are going to be the best team in the league again very, very soon. Um, we just need to get everybody firing on all cylinders. We absolutely do. And one player I'm actually really excited to see back in the lineup when he's fit is Tom Lawrence and what he can offer us as well, because I think he is completely different to anything else we have in our team. I guess it's just how does Michael Beale find a way to fit him in? Um, and I think we'll be asking that question quite a lot once all our players are back fit and firing. Kai, we, um, Scott spoke quite a bit there about the the sort of positives from a forward uh, going forward perspective, especially from the creativity. Since Michael Beal came in, 27 goals scored in the 12 games so far. We're averaging 2.25 goals per game, but it still feels like we're missing a lot of chances, um, which I think under Geo, we weren't actually creating the chances to miss. And I think that was a, that was a big frustration. But uh, although we are scoring more goals, I personally still feel we should be scoring more and we do seem to still stop after we score the second goal. I don't know quite why that is. is are you of the same opinion or do you think it's just something that will come as a, as a matter of time? Hoping it's just going to be something that comes. Obviously, like you say, it's really encouraging. We're actually creating the chances now because there was a time where we weren't and we were relying on Cholak getting... I mean, I think he went in a run of like three games at Ibrox. He got a brace. He had like two chances, scored two goals. And that's what we're relying on, just him getting half a chance. That's how we get through the start of the season. You take Cholak out that side. I think a lot of the goals he scores, Morelos probably doesn't. We're in a much worse position. So I think you look back now, we're kind of lucky that we had Cholak at that time when he was in that kind of form. That he was just taking every chance that came his way. But it's it's completely different now. We're making the chances. So I don't really know what's more frustrating, not taking the chances or taking them and not scoring. I feel more frustrated now that we're creating more and not that we're not scoring enough, we're obviously winning the games, but like you said, Craig, I feel that we definitely should be scoring more. And I think despite Morelos' kind of upturn in his form, 
the finishing still, and we've still seen it from Sakala the last couple of games. It's still just a, a panic sometimes in the finishing, but I'm, I feel like that will come when everyone's fully, fully kind of integrated in what Bill, Bill wants us to do, and everybody's everybody's back, everybody's got that genuine competition for places. I think there will be another upturn in form from some players, and I think the goals will come. Yeah, Scott, do you share that frustration in terms of missing chances, or is it is that a good thing we're creating them? And it's just um, as I think there was a comment here. Jockney says um, we're due to click into gear, and someone will get an absolute doing. Do you think it's just a case of things clicking rather than anything else? Um, <clears throat> currently, while we're winning, I don't mind the missed chances, but. If we had drawn with Ross County the other day, I'd have been absolutely fuming with the chances that we'd missed. So it's it's one of those, it's fine when we're winning and we're scoring other goals, but when we're missing consecutively consistent chances, then that's when it becomes a problem. If you take Hearts into consideration, I, I, I can't remember how many offside goals we had in that game, but another night that could have been a very, very frustrating and difficult night at Tynecastle. So we, we do need to start being a, little more, a bit more clinical, but I think... If our players were as clinical as they are good at football and good at breaking down teams, they would not be playing in the Scottish Premier League for Rangers. They would be playing in the English Premier League for Man City and Man United. We've got fantastic football players here, but there's obviously going to be something in their game that isn't quite as well-rounded, and that's that's why we're here. So maybe it's just the price we need to pay for having quality football players. Cholak, I thought, again, same with Kai, fantastic at the start of the season. I'm just one of these guys that really, I don't think he's going to suit Michael Beale's system whatsoever, if I'm totally honest. I just think it just seems he's not got enough about him outside the box, and that's where Morelos' bread and butter comes into it. Um, and then you've got players sort of filling the gaps that Morelos leaves uh, by kind of overtaking and overlapping him. Cholak tends to be that penalty box striker, and I just don't think that's what we need from a striker now under Michael Beale, unfortunately. Yeah, well, since you brought up, I wasn't necessarily going to go deep into the Alfredo Morelos um, part of things. Um, okay, Scott mentions that Alfredo Morelos is probably more suited to Michael Beale's um, system than, than Antonio Cholak. I guess one of my major frustrations with Alfredo Morelos is that he doesn't score enough goals in the league for a team that should be winning the league. Um, we need him to score many more goals than he actually does if he's going to be our main striker. Now, I get I get the argument that he does a lot for his outside the box and he occupies several defenders at once just with his natural play and his natural physicality. But I don't think going forward that we can rely on Alfredo Morelos as being their number one goal scorer in the league if we are going to seriously challenge and seriously win it. What do you make of, of that? No, I kind of not going completely against what Scott's saying. I know where he's coming from, but I don't think you do need everything that Morelos brings under the field system. I think at points, like on Saturday, we just needed someone that was going to be in the box and was going to finish. Like Morelos does, he's a handful for defenders. He presses well, he does link up well. He obviously linked up with Cartwell for the goal. But at that point, he's inside the box. Where a Cholak would be anyway, I don't think with the way we've kind of been breaking down teams and the way we've been playing and creating space when you bring in players like Pillman, like Cantwell, that can kind of carry the ball forward. And then defenders have to occupy them, carrying the ball instead of worrying about anyone else. So that then draws someone out that then creates the space again for someone like 
control that because Morelos isn't going to make that run because he's doing other dirty work. So I think we don't necessarily need. I think we needed it more under Van Bronckhorst at the time. But the way we're breaking teams down now and creating chances, I don't think there's that massive necessity for what Morelos brings at all times during the game. I think with Alfredo Morelos, it's a tough one because we've seen all sides of him this year. You've seen, for a large part of the first half of the season, the negative sides of Alfredo Morelos and his, his struggles to get fit and his, his lack of game time and his requirement that he, he pretty much has to play every minute of every game to have any shot of reaching his top form. Um, I think, especially the last two weeks at Ibrox, I've been really frustrated with his finishing. He's he's getting into the right positions, but he's hitting the goalkeeper or he's hitting it wide. He's not he's not putting the ball in the back of the net often enough. But then again, you, you go on the flip side of things and you, you look at our, our last two away games, which have been at two of the toughest grounds that we go to every season in, in Rugby Park with a plastic pitch. And then Tynecastle against Hearts, especially on a midweek, midweek night. We've seen how badly that can go in seasons gone by and he scored two goals in, in each of those games and that's that's almost invaluable to to us and it's it's where it's where do you find the balance in it all and it's um it's where what's the what's the right call in terms of do we keep him, do we not? I know Connor Goldson said yesterday in in his interview that he would love Alfredo Morelos to stay, but if he doesn't, we'll go find someone else. And I think that's probably the attitude we all probably should have around around Alfredo Morelos. And that if he stays, then then great, and we'll we'll make very good use of him. But if he doesn't, then it costs us a million pounds to start with. He's more than delivered on that value for money, and he goes with our best wishes to um to to whatever that may be next. But I think the Alfredo Morelos conundrum will. Will continue until until the end of this season, um, right? Uh, I've forgotten who I spoke to last, so Scott will come to you um, next. Going from one end of the park to the other, um, under Michael since Michael Beals came in, ten goals conceded, zero point eight three goals per game. I think he's massively benefited from the return of Connor Goldson and Ben Davies, and they are two players who are creating a really good um, a really good partnership in there. But we also seem to be more organised in terms of defending set pieces, albeit the weekend wasn't a great example of that. But I think that's really, really helping as well. Under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, every time the opposition got a set piece, you were you were shaking in your shoes, kind of thing, because you knew kind of knew what was coming. But now I think I'm much more confident and back to how how I felt under Steven Gerrard when when we had um, when we looked pretty solid against set pieces. What are your thoughts on on the defensive side of things? I think the defensive side, um, massive improvement. Um, but that, and, and, and I agree with what you're saying. Under Geo, especially the first half of the season, you were nervous every time the ball came into the box. You were nervous every time a corner got lined up against us. But I think, and everybody will know that this is coming, the rotation due to injury of the centre-backs and the full-back four had a massive part to play in that. There was never a settled back line. And we had Leon King coming in, who was 18-year-old, and it being expected to marshal defence. Um, now we've had the consistency of Goldson and Davies. I think that's is it eight in a row, something silly like that for those three now. Um, and Davies was saying just before the Tynecast, uh, sorry, the Tannadice game, that he felt like he was getting back to his best, and that was him starting to feel fully fit now. So those two look a cracking partnership. I think everybody when Ben Davies came in in the summer was it four or five million pounds we spent on him. Everybody was kind of taking aback a little bit, thinking, "Is is this guy going to be worth it?" Not saying anywhere near worth what we paid for him, but he's now looking like a solid 
defensive partner to Connor Goldson. And I, I would take that any day of the week. It, especially at the weekend just gone, it looked very similar to me to, to Philip Hollander. He just seemed to be in the right place every single time the ball was breaking away. And he just seemed to mop everything up. Now, Hollander was never the quickest player out there, but his positioning and his sense of timing was just top-notch. And Davies, for me, has got that in them as well. I'd like to see them potentially put more numbers up at the other end. I'd like to see us be a bit more attacking um, at, at corner kicks and scoring a few more goals from there. But, you know, you can't have everything at the end of the day. But you're absolutely right. I mean, defensively, we look a more solid unit. And again, I really don't want to say this, but Bola Barisic, I think, has been a big part of that as well. I think he's looked very, very solid recently. Um, it used to be that whenever a, a, a right winger was lining up against him, you were shaking a wee bit. You were absolutely terrified of what was coming next because it was eventually going to be a goal or a cross coming into the box completely unchallenged. Now Bonner seems to be a bit back to his best and I'm loving the revitalisation of Bonner Barisic right now. Yeah, we, we can absolutely um, see that, Scott. I'm not sure I'm quite on the Bonner Barisic train as much as you are, but um, you're definitely sharing the Bonner love. Um, maybe I'm just scared of his dad, I don't know. Terrified um, me. <laughs> Kai, what do you make of... Um, Connor Goldson and Ben Davies and how that partnership is developing. Teddy Bears coming in. I think there's quite a lot of people, um, quite a lot of Rangers fans are kind of echo these views in terms of not really appreciating Goldson until he wasn't there. Now we see how good he is. He should be our captain. Last night, um, we spoke on the podcast, I think it was Scott Cameron said that actually it doesn't matter that he's not the captain. He, um, You need four or five leaders in there. Um, four or five captains that are that are commanding on the pitch and Connor Goldson is one of them. What do you make of Connor Goldson and Ben Davies and how that relationship is developing under Michael Bean? Well, just going on the kind of captaincy thing, you don't need the armband to act like a captain. I think you see that, you always see that from McGregor when he's in goals as well with the organisation he tries to provide. I think Goldson's always been that way and I'll agree with the sentiment of obviously knew that Goldson was quality but don't realise how, not how good he is but just how important he is the setup of the side, it's not just the quality he brings in a performance, it's how he also organises everyone else. And I think that's clear, like no one can deny that now after he's come back from injury. And I think it's a really a really strong partnership he's got with Davis. I think they've got a nice balance here, always like having right footed centre half on the right side and the left footed centre half on the left side. Especially the fact that two of them are capable of those kind of long searching balls. And I think that's another weapon in the arsenal. Like if there's not that base through the middle. Both centre-halves are capable of finding either the winger or the striker making a run through. And the fact that they're solid defensively, they're comfortable coming out with the ball, I think. Like Scott said, the only thing you can really be critical of is you don't really see them scoring from corners. I think that would be nice to see because we do have good set-piece delivery. And we do have players that are good in there. They just, for some reason, attacking-wise, we just don't seem to get many goals from direct corner kick. Yeah, I, th I think that's fair. I think we'd, it's always something that um, that I think we've needed to improve on. And I think it's something that we actually lost a wee bit with Leon Balogun. He seemed to be the only one that was able to attack the ball in the opposition's box and, and get a few important goals in there as well. But it's um, I think that our, our, score, our goal scoring ratio from corners must be one of the worst in the league. I'd be surprised if it was if it was anywhere up there. I thought um, Malik Tillman was going to fill in the Joe Rebo front post role for a wee while, but he's not quite managed to, to emulate the frequency of that quite yet. Um, Scott, I think looking at the, the 12 games overall, 
best overall team performance under Michael Beale so far. I think it's hard to, to not say Tynecastle away last midweek, isn't it? Pretty much. I think Tynecastle away is going to be the, the biggest one for a lot of people. I mean, there's been positives in most games, if I'm honest, but that was probably the most complete and all-round performance that we've had. Um, you can pin, uh, pinpoint areas and sort of minutes from the games like at Tannadice, etc., where we look really, really good. But for the majority of those games, we really struggled. We had something ridiculous, like five goals checked for offside against Hearts. We were just defensively very, very solid. Uh, kept the ball rolling in the middle of the park, and the front three were just at it. So I, I don't think you can look beyond um, the, the Tynecastle performance, if I'm totally honest, Craig. Very silly question of you, actually. I'll take that silly question even further. Um, so, Kai, just on the um, on that performance, I think the what was good to see was in the New Year Old Firm game was the, the second half performance that we put up against um, the Celtic team, and we were very much deserving of of the three points that day. I believe, anyway. Um, I think that was that was a marker almost laid down by Michael Beale as to how how we should play against against Celtic. We've seen some pretty weak performances, I think it's fair to say, over the past 12 months or so against them. Um, and I think that was a real marker, similar to what Stephen Gerrard did against them, really, in terms of Michael Beale understands how he wants the team to set up against them. We were more aggressive, we were more challenging, we took control of the ball. It took us a, a full half of football to get there, but we took control of the ball. And uh, I very much expect that to be the way that we, we move forward when we play against them, particularly in the League Cup final, which is a huge game at the end of the month. I think we obviously went through that spell at the start of Beals reign, like the Hibs game, especially the Aberdeen game, where Rangers didn't turn up the first half. And then it was a really good second half performance. I don't know how many times in a row we said that. Like, poor the first half wasn't really anything going, then they seemed to go in at half time and everything changed coming out the second half in the Celtic game was no different. Obviously, you look at the game at Tynecastle, that was the first minute. That is exactly what you want from this side. You want the pressure on immediately. You want to create chances early on. You don't want to give any team, no matter if it's Celtic, if it's a Champions League game, you don't want to give any team time in the ball. You want to stifle them. You want to make them nervous. And I think that's what we've done at Tynecastle. We started off, started off well at Ross County. Probably one of, apart from the Hart game, one of the better first-half performances as well. That we're obviously unlucky not to get five more up more than one goal, and I think again just more of the same against Celtic at the end of the month. There's no reason. I think they're there for the taking. I honestly, don't think you look at their last few performances have been nothing special. If we can go in with that intensity that we did away at Tynecastle, I really fancy our chances in the League Cup final at the end of the month. Yeah, it's a game. It's a game I'm looking forward to. There was a lot of discussion within the, the TII group chat about who should start in that game and we're not going to cover that on this podcast but it will definitely be one we'll be keep, we'll, we will be keeping an eye on over the next few weeks um to see who where the consistencies lie and and michael will starting lineups and maybe get a bit of an insight into who will start um that game right we have had a lot of comments already around the title of this podcast can rangers win the league um we're nine points behind scott 23 Goals behind in goal difference. Time to give us your answer. Can Rangers win the league? Yes. It is possible. Statistically, it's possible. And I'm never going to... I'm never, ever, ever going to throw in the towel until it's done. Will we win the league? Very much doubt it. 
very, very much doubt it. I think it's possible, um, but we need to rely on favours from other teams. We need, we need other teams to to perform against Celtic and statistically and traditionally this season they've not done it. St Mirren aside, okay, any St Mirren fans who are watching, firstly, what are you doing watching this? And secondly, I hold my hands up and I'm, ap- I'm apologising for that, but other teams, we can't rely on favours. The chance for us to potentially win the league for me was at the New Year game. If we'd won that, we could have brought it back to Neil Poir. We could have won it on goal difference if we'd managed to overturn that deficit as well. So it's possible. I don't expect it to happen. I think we need to focus our attention elsewhere. Yeah, before I come on to, to yourself, Kai, I'll read out some of the comments that have came in. Uh, Teddy Bears saying, evening lads, I'd love to honestly believe we could win it this season, but I'm being realistic. Um, DC saying, all we do is keep winning and see where it takes us. Rangers loyalist with, uh, we beat that lot twice, which I think we can. It's only three points in it. They will lose some points, hopefully. Um Let's see who else we've got. Uh, our very own Tommy McIntyre saying, even though the league isn't over for me, let's see where we are after the first week in March. What are your thoughts on that, Kai? A few people saying, realistically, it's over. Some people saying we win the two old firm games and it's game on. Uh, Tommy there saying, I think effectively Tommy saying, if, if we beat them in the League Cup final, then it's, it's game on in the league and we'll see where their confidence is. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I think... Uh... Like going on what Tommy said, if we beat them the League Cup final, we beat them the game before the spot, and then there is pressure there, and it's up to them to kind of see how they deal with that pressure. But I think at this point, obviously, we can, like statistically, we can win the league. But I think at this point, it should just be a focus on picking up the wins, performing as well as we can, getting everyone used to the Bill system, and it's possible. We beat them twice, it's down to three points. Celtic have to either get beat once or drop points in a couple of games. It's 100% possible, but I don't think that should be the focus. I think we just focus on getting everyone up to speed with how Bill wants to play, get everyone that's been out back to full fitness and just focus on the performances. The performances just now are bringing wins. I think we just keep winning our games and we'll see where we are at the end of the season. Yeah, I have to say, I have to admit, this has been a much more optimistic outlook on this than I than I thought it was going to be. Um, for me, I think the the real difficulty lies in that I don't think any team outside of us is going to take points off them, and I think that's where the New Year game, as you said, Scott, was really important that we that we got those three points. Um, and I think when you look back at the decision making, and we'll come on to start talking about where the blame might lie for us lying so far behind them at this stage in the season, but I think when you go back to the loss to St Johnston and then the loss to St Mirren, those were absolutely nails in the coffin for me. And because those are games that, that you should be winning, you win those two, you're three points behind, and it's all all to play for. I think the goal difference is also a massive, um, a massive aspect. That that's now two seasons in a row where we've been miles behind on on the goal difference, and that's definitely an issue we need to to try and sort. And I think that's partly falls into the um, what Alfredo Morelos offers us discussion that we had we had a wee bit earlier um scott would you agree it's it it feels like those those losses to st johnston and st Mirren have, have absolutely killed us this season 100 percent. i think um i'm not going to reveal too much because obviously as you say we'll get on to you know where does the blame lie but for me uh, the damage was done before michael beale came in um he was tasked with saving a sinking ship in terms of our league campaign 
and he's, he's fighting valiantly. He's got the bucket out. He's currently scooping all the water at the deck. But I mean, that it's not going to be something that he's going to be able to salvage. The team, when he came in, we looked defeated. We looked like we we're going into every game a goal down and that we were somehow struggling to get back into every game. Don't know how that happens to a team. But like you say, the St Mirren game, you know, when we lost that game, I wasn't even surprised. It just it just seemed like it was, aye, this this is what to expect under under Geo's Rangers. Um, and I, I just seen a comment coming in there saying we waited a month too long to sack Geo. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly where I am. Um, again, loved Geo van der Van Bronckhorst, but I think even he knew his time was up. He just wasn't going to walk. He was waiting to be pushed. And unfortunately, the, the board... I'm going. To, I'm going to nail my colours to the master of the board that he blame. There you go. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And to be honest, you can't really blame Giovanni van Bronckhorst for not working because he's under contract and um, he'll be he'll be wanting the payoff as we all would if we were in that situation. And, and I don't think you can blame Giovanni van Bronckhorst for continuing to believe that he can turn it round. Ultimately, he got us to a European final less than five months before he got sacked. So you, you can understand why. That's what he was doing, but I think the board needed to really take action and take command of the situation. And I think it's very rare that this Rangers board has done that at any point throughout their, their reign, if I'm being honest. And I think it's that indecision and indecisiveness that has really cost us this season. It's not that it's been the first time under this board that the indecision has cost us and it won't be the last. Um, but I think that 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 month uh, that Teddy Bears refers to that included the St Johnston game and included the St Mirren game, is absolutely what cost us. Um, Kai, are you in agreement about that, that we waited too long to, to sack Gio and that's why we're in the position we're in? Or do you think it was um, other factors as well? I 100% agree with what you guys are saying, obviously. Like you say, those two results following that month, that I think the majority would have the opinion that it was a month too late sacking him. We also didn't even mention the another spineless old firm performance before that as well, like I think it's hard to contrast that kind of performance with the ones Rangers put in against Dortmund and Leipzig at the end of last season, that Europa League run, and you look at the old firm games and going and getting absolutely hammered and looking like a third division side, like it's it's hard to you obviously see why Van Bronckhorst thinks he can turn that around, because he'd reference kind of those performances and that's, that's kind of what kept him in the job so long, that run, but I think it honestly could have been over after getting hammered in the last, like the first old firm game of the season again. I think, in my opinion, anyway, if it was let it go, then I wouldn't have been overly upset about it. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people are of that opinion, and it, to be fair to Gio, he was definitely not helped by the Champions League group that we received and and the levels of performances that we were up against there. I remember when the draw was made and we all thought oh, Napoli will be our chance to get some points and how wrong have we been proven? Um, Napoli are absolutely flying and continue to to do so in the league. I think there's something like 13 points ahead or something like that in Serie A at the moment. Absolutely demolishing everything in front of them. Um, I think one of the reasons why I ha have such low levels of optimism about Rangers' chance of winning the league is it feels like there is no real competition outside of us in terms of being able to take points off of Celtic. It does feel like the quality of of teams and quality of players elsewhere in the league is really at, almost at an all-time low in terms of being able to challenge, uh, particularly Celtic at this stage. And it feels like almost teams are 
are beaten before they even take to the park against them, which is which is a really sorry state for Scottish football, I believe. But also, it, it just feeds into the the, the the lack of positivity I have about us calling ourselves back into it. Scott, what do you make of of that? I saw you nodding agreement about the sort of the levels that other teams are playing at. Um, what do you make of? Because ultimately, we would need to beat Celtic twice and probably need two other teams to take points off off them and that's suggesting that we win every game left this season what are your thoughts on on that even that that even when i'm saying it aloud that potential doesn't seem um doesn't seem very high at all but what are your thoughts no i'd, I'd, I'd agree with that i think if we put ourselves into the mix as well i think it, it's scary to see that hearts are probably unarguably the third best team in the league and we blew them away the other day in their own patch so even we're a cut above the rest of the league. Um, I don't think Celtic are that much further ahead of us, if I'm honest. I think I'm going to echo Michael Beale's um, much commented over comments. I'm going to um, say that they've been very lucky and that the money they've been able to spend Celtic um, and, you know, that they've found themselves well ahead of a lot of the league um, as a result of that. Teams are beaten when they go onto the, the pitch against. I mentioned earlier, we looked like we were a goal down every time we stepped under the, onto the pitch under Geo. Other teams seem to be a goal down before they've even stepped onto the pitch against Celtic. They just seem mentally to think the first goal's coming. We just need to take that goal and then ride the ship after it and hopefully we'll get out of here with a 1-0 loss. You look at the weekend, Andy Considine celebrating his 600th appearance in Scottish football against his boyhood club. Shucks the ball in the back of the net, gets himself sent off. I know he's an Aberdeen fan, but he's actually a Celtic fan. Let's let's not beat around the bush here. Um, there's, there's just a, it's not even a lack of effort. I just think there's a lack of belief in Scottish football right now. As you say, the player pool isn't fantastic. Um, I could probably name a handful of players in the Scottish league outside ourselves and Celtic that I know of and I know that are potentially decent players. Usually, used to be that you could name five, six, seven. You could even name a few for every single team. So it's, it's a bit of a shame the state of Scottish football right now. There needs to be a change in impetus, there needs to be a change in sort of management style in a lot of these teams as well. Um, but, you know, we, we can't affect that change. These teams need to be willing to do it. We can't be, though, waiting for handouts. We should not have got ourselves in this position where we needed a favour for other teams. We should have put ourselves in a position where we would be able to win it. And like Kai said, I hadn't even thought about it myself, but it makes sense. Geo should have been gone after that 4-0 drubbing. And then potentially, we might not have found ourselves in this situation. But again... At that point, we might not have got Michael Beale in. So, I mean, swings and roundabouts, were the board waiting for Michael Beale? Is that what the situation was? We'll, we'll never know. We are where we are now, though, and I think going forward this season, we do the best we can in the league, win the two cups if possible, and then go at it again next season. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting, Kai, when you look actually look back at previous seasons and how many points we had after this number of games. I think this is potentially our third highest points total after this number of games ever um which it, which doesn't feel like it going by how how we feel as fans and how far behind we are um and in the league title race i think that's maybe testament to how consistent celtic have been so far and in, in the in the league so far this season it probably touches a bit on how how poor the, the rest of the league has been but to, for us to be, I think it's our third highest total, as I said, um, at this stage of the, the season, um, it's it's difficult to know where to, where to sit with when you find when you find out that stat because ultimately it shows we're playing well, but 
we are still nine points behind, so it's it's difficult to know what to where to position yourself with that one. I think it's a shame because I actually think in the summer when I looked at some of the recruitment that teams were doing, some of the other SPFL teams, I thought it was really interesting. Like Aberdeen went to I think they got took from Benfica. They went to I think it was a Hungarian side to get Miovski. Like again, I'm sure Hibbs got Cher Tavares from Benfica. I think teams were genuinely trying to go out there and be that bit kind of more ambitious and kind of scout further afield and they brought in decent players, but it just like Scott said, it doesn't matter when they come on the park and they think they're beat already. It's, I think, probably minus things that Murren have a bit of belief about themselves this season and at times Livingston under Martindale. But most other sides, it's like we go into Wednesday night thinking Hearts is going to be an easy game and then within the first 10 minutes, Hearts have done nothing. Like, absolutely nothing the first half and there was just no coming back from that and that's by far and away, the third best side in the league. Like, I don't really know what you do at that point. You just need to hope that Celtic don't turn up one day for someone to get points off them. But again, like Scott said, that shouldn't be the focus. We focus on winning the two cups, we get the performance level up, everyone back in the fit, and then we go again next season. Yeah, I think just to, to summarise that that discussion, Ross sums up well, gap between Old Firm and other clubs will only continue to grow. Not enough revenue in the league for our clubs to realistically compete. I liked what you said, Kai, about the fact that other clubs had tried to be more ambitious and and taking chances on on players who were at, who are potentially more proven in um, leagues in, in Eastern Europe or taking taking some um, players from well-established academies such as Benfica, like you mentioned, and other places. I think. From the outside, that looks like a, a positive strategy, but it's, it's definitely not worked out in that way for, for teams. It might just take a few years to bed in, and then it, and then it starts to, to click into place, but it's not. It's definitely not worked um, until until this stage. Anyway, just looking at um, what's left of the season, there's still a, a solid four months. I think 13 league matches, the League Cup final, plus the, the remainder of the Scottish Cup left, so still plenty... Still plenty to play for. I think when Michael Beale first came in, I said he had to hit the ground running, but the bare minimum that he had to do was to to reach the final of both cups and win one of them. Well, we're in the final of of the League Cup. We've got every chance of of um, reaching the Scottish Cup final as a minimum and, and going on to win it. We've got obviously, Partick Thistle um, this weekend at Ibrox in the real Glasgow derby um, and. I think that's a it's a real opportunity for us to reach the latter stages of the of the competition and continue that that confidence. There's quite a few comments here saying that go um, so Rangers loyalists saying go for the two cups, uh, look forward to new signings, new season, and go for title fifty six. Michael King here saying I think we can win both cups this season and go all attack next season. Scott, how important is silverware this season to Rangers? And actually, is it is it important that we get two rather than just one? Um, how important is it? Um, it's, it's massively important. I think we went through a barren spell under Steven Gerrard as manager um, before he won the league and where he just he won nothing throughout that period. Michael Beale is not going to get that luxury. So if Michael Beale wins nothing this season, when realistically he's got the chance of winning two, 
I think you get a lot of the fan base, and I, I wouldn't include myself in this, but I think a lot of the fan base will start asking questions, thinking, is this just another Steven Gerrard? Are we going to need to get a one-off title and then just hand it back again to Celtic? We need to show that we mean business, and I think that means Michael Beale needs to come away with at least one trophy this season. One out of three, or one out of two, I suppose, are the possible trophies that he wins. I think that's acceptable for me, if I'm totally honest. I want to, we expect to, we demand to, we're Rangers at the end of the day. Um, but if he comes away with one out of two, I'll not be too upset with that, unless one of them's an absolute drubbing in the final or something along those lines. You obviously take the, the context um, into consideration there as well. So no, I think if he comes away with one, I'd be happy with that. But he needs to win something this year. Otherwise, I think there's going to be a lot of fans then that start questioning, as I say. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think he does need to win something. I think his start to, to managerial life at Rangers has been excellent and well beyond the expectations that I had for him, given the, given the run of games and run of fixtures that, that he had to contend with. But I think lifting a lifting a trophy is, is, is vital and um, it would be even sweeter if it's the first one of the season with the League Cup final and at the end of February. Kai, what's your thoughts on this, the Cups? Um, do you think it's one's, one is enough and one would, would keep you content um, going into next season and build up confidence? Or do you think really it should be it should be two that we're... Obviously, we'll be going for two, but are you confident that, that two is, is entirely possible? Like two, ideally two, but I think one minimum. I don't think, I think, like Scott said, there'll be rumblings with the fans if we come away this season with no trophies. So I think a minimum of one, but I think for it to be considered a decent season, then you have to come away with two. There was been too many seasons in the past with one, no one with one and nothing. Obviously, didn't win the league for years, but we weren't even winning the cups aside that. So I think one cup minimum, but I think. If he wins too, considering the position they come in with the league, you can consider that a decent season for Beal anyway. Yeah, I think I, th- I think so, and I, I do hope that it's not left to the very last game of the season in the Scottish Cup final for us to do that. But um, if 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 it needs to be, then then I would absolutely take it, um, and maybe I might even get a ticket for that final, given I've missed out this time around. Um, I think that's we're pretty much reaching. The hour mark has been a really good discussion. Um, so I think we'll round it off there. Scott, thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks very much for having us again. And Kai, thank you very much for joining us as well. Be good to have you on. Pleasure as always, mate. And thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Um, please remember to to like the video if you've enjoyed the content it really helps us out um and also remember to subscribe to the tii youtube channel i believe we're less than 100 subscribers away from hitting that 5000 subscriber milestone so please every every little helps and every subscriber goes towards that total and remember to toggle on those notifications as well so you get an email every single time we go live or we upload a new pre-recorded podcast in terms of what's coming up for the rest of the week uh, kyle will be back with some of the team on wednesday night as we start to gear up towards Partick thistle on sunday and we'll be back with some some post-match reaction content on sunday as well following the Partick thistle game thank you very much everyone for listening and until next time goodbye <laughs>